Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Up until the early 1600s, the view that the earth was the center of the universe was foundational to the church. And one of the reasons why this belief was so important is because most faithful people believe that Jesus, the Son of God, was human and lived on earth. And such an important person can only live in the most important place, right? The center of all things. Which, by the way, was a logic that was backed by the best theories that the world had to offer at that time. Or based on the logic of Aristotle, most church people believed that the earth was the center of all things. But, but not only did church people believe this, everybody believed that the earth was the center of all things. And practically speaking, the, the reason they believe this is because if all you have is your experience to try to figure out how the universe works, or if you don't have access to the telescopes and satellites and all the things that we have access to today, it sure seems like, from our perspective, tethered here to the earth, that we're standing still, we're sitting still, and everything else is revolving around us. Or to put this into perspective, think about, you know, our experiences on a day-to-day -day basis. Because if you put away all the stuff that you know about science, it sure seems like we're not moving. Any of you guys feel any movement? But, but every morning, this sun rises in the east and goes throughout the sky and then sets in the west. I mean, it's strange. And then the other thing that, that I find very interesting is how many of you guys think the world is flat? From our perspective, if all we have is our ability to see, it sure looks like the world is fat. And no matter where you go in the world, it sure looks like the world is flat. And so that's the perspective that these people have at that time and place. Well, it is into this context or this way of thinking that a man named Galileo Galilei walks in and he changes the universe forever. He doesn't just change the world, he changes the universe forever. Now, what you need to know about Galileo is he wasn't some kind of atheistic scientist out to disprove the Bible or the existence of God. But instead, he was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ who at one point considered joining the priesthood. In fact, he had been in a ministry, or excuse me, a monastery for about three years until his father finally convinced him that he needed to study medicine. Then while pursuing this career in medicine, which wasn't his heart, it's, it's what his father wanted him to do, he developed this fascination, or probably better said, an obsession with mathematics, physics, physical science, engineering, or anything that had to do with the way the world worked, which eventually led him to becoming a math professor, where he then devoted the entirety of his life to trying to make sense of the way the world works. Now, where Galileo, this man, gets on the wrong side of the church is in building on the research of Copernicus, who was a priest, mind you, he was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And what Copernicus developed, or this idea that Copernicus put out there, is that the sun, not the earth, was the center of the universe. 
And so Galileo took his work and began to go about proving that it sure seems to be the case that it's not the earth that's the center of all things. It's the sun that is the center of our solar system. Which then, of course, is this theory that gets published and it starts to make all sorts of waves among the faithful because for those who held to the earth-centered view, this meant that their theory didn't work. Or it meant that no longer were they the center of the universe. And let's just be honest, right? As human beings, we all think the world revolves around us. We don't like to say it out loud, but we sure act like it does, right? But not only that, but most importantly, according to the logic of the day, Galileo's theory meant that Jesus was not near as important as they once thought. And that's a huge problem, right? So in 1611, Galileo was brought before the Pope to make his case. And what that did is it led to a trial in 1616 where eventually Galileo was deemed to be a heretic, made to recant of his views or die, then put on house arrest for the rest of his life, all the while his books were ordered to be burned because they were so dangerous. And again, the reason this happened is because this man had the audacity to believe and actually prove that the earth revolves around the sun. Now, what makes this story even better is that it's not until 1758 or 142 years after Galileo was convicted as a heretic that the Catholic Church finally decided that a person is not a heretic if they believe that the sun is at the center of our solar system, right? So at one point, if you believe that we revolve around the sun, you would have been a heretic. Any heretics in here? Interesting, right? And then it's not until October 31st, 1992, some 376 years later, that the Catholic Church formally apologized for the Galileo case, saying something equivalent to, oops, sorry, man, we got that one wrong. We're really, really sorry about, you know, all of that back there. We, yeah, that's not a good thing. Now, what I want you to get out of Galileo's amazing experience, although it wasn't so amazing for him, is that when it comes to the relationship between science and religion, which for many even today is one of these hot-button topics, I don't get that, but for many it is, is how not to make the same mistake that the church made in the case of Galileo by fighting against what seems to be wrong from their perspective but then turns out to be right or, or turns out to be the very way that God made the world in the first place. Ultimately, they were fighting against God when they were fighting against Galileo because that's the way God created the world. And the way I propose we do that is instead of thinking about science as this great enemy that, that we must fight against because it's dangerous to our faith, that like millions of, of Christians today and millions of Christians in the past, we begin to see science for what it really is. An incredible gift and tool that God has given to us to not only make our lives better, think indoor plumbing here, but also to help us learn even more about just how big and magnificent our God really is. Or to help you to see this, let me share with you the way that some of the most brilliant scientific minds of our past made sense of what they were doing through their scientific work. So we start first with a man named Robert Boyle. 
And what you need to know about Mr. Boyle is that this is the man whom many consider to be the father of modern chemistry. He was also one of the pioneers in developing the scientific method. Without this guy, we really don't have science. He's that important. And the way this brilliant man made sense of the scientific method was not by thinking about it as something evil, but instead as this powerful tool to help him understand God's good creation. And all because he believed that the more he was able to understand about God's good creation, the more he could understand about God. Or for Boyle, his scientific work was actually a religious task that was all about the disclosure of the admirable workmanship which God displayed in the universe. For him, it was holy work. Next, we turn to Sir Isaac Newton. And I think you guys know who Sir Isaac is, right? He was this English mathematician, physicist, astronomer, alchemist, theologian, author, widely recognized as one of the greatest mathematicians and physicists of all time. He's the guy who developed the theory of universal gravitation, the laws of motion. We, we wouldn't have all that we have today without this guy. I mean, he was that brilliant. Well, this is just one of the things that he has to say about his scientific work. In his book on optics, he writes this. How came the bodies of animals to be contrived with so much art? And for what ends were there several parts? Was the eye contrived without skill in optics, the ear without knowledge of sounds? And these things being rightly dispatched, does it not appear from phenomena that there is a being, incorporeal, living, intelligent? Or for Newton, who apparently was a good friend of Shakespeare, science doesn't disprove God. No, instead it proves God in more incredible ways, or that there has to be this living, spiritual, intelligent being behind all of this, or it doesn't make sense. Or for Newton, science was something that didn't weaken his faith. It's something that strengthened it because of what it taught him about his God. In fact, this this article that I just came across a couple of weeks ago, this this wasn't even going to be a part of things, um, it has been argued that Newton, in a sense, was a Christian mystic who used the scientific method as his main spiritual discipline. Or like many of us spend time in prayer to help us connect with and commune with God, that's our spiritual discipline, right? The way that Newton understood his scientific work is that how, that's how he connected and communed with God. Next, there's John Ray, and he's the founder of Modern Botany, and he says this about science. It's the wisdom of God manifested in the works of creation, extolling the perfection of designs in the world of plants and animals. Or for Mr. Ray, what he found when he was devoting himself to this scientific work is a kind of uncovering of God's logic, his design, how everything fits together so beautifully. Once again, it's something that points beyond itself to an incredible God. And then last but not least, and you guys are going to love this one here. It's even the case that Charles Darwin himself, you know the guy who developed the theory of evolution whom a whole lot of Christians today consider to be enemy number one? Yeah, he had this to say about his theory and what it taught him about who God is. He says that a world so marvelously ordered, however imperfect in the details, could not be the result of blind chance. God, as the designer of the laws, must have provided the overarching patterns and progressive 
direction, or even for Darwin, which would come as a surprise to a whole lot of atheists today, even for Darwin, evolution doesn't disprove God. It just shows that the way that God went about creating life is a bit different than we once thought. And those are just a couple of the thousands of quotes you will find that clearly show according to the most brilliant minds of our past. And it's not just our past. It's even today that show that science doesn't have to be understood as this evil thing sent by the devil to lead us astray or as, as something intended to prove that God doesn't exist. But as this simple method or God-given tool that when used properly can help us make the world and our lives better while at the same time helping us to understand on an even deeper level just how big and awe-inspiring our God is. Anybody else find that kind of interesting? That's not the story we normally hear, is it? Right? But it gets even better. It gets even better than that. Another interesting fact that you need to know about this relationship between science and religion is that when you do research on the foundation and the development of the scientific method, you will find that science, to a certain extent, comes out of the logic of the Bible. Or most people know it's this little-known fact that you can't actually prove the scientific method logically. If you try, you end up in a kind of circular reasoning, which is a fallacy. No, the only way that the scientific method can be proven to be true is if you assume the world is an ordered place. Or there's a purpose and a logic that is at work in and through all things. And where that assumption of order comes from, that the scientific method has to have, is at least in part from the Bible. Because what the Bible has to tell us about this world is it's not just a, a collection of random happenings, but instead is an existence that was created, ordered, and sustained by this infinite, intelligent, and brilliant God. Then it's also the case that many of the people who played a part in the development of the scientific method were actually inspired not to fight against science, but to do their scientific work by biblical texts that talk about how God's creation can reveal to us even more, who God, even more who God is. Or how God's creation is like a book that we can read to learn more about God. This is one of many. So Paul says this in Romans 1.20, and I think this is the best one. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he hath made. Or it is possible to see and understand who God is, what God is up to in a sense, through what he has created. Which means even according to the Bible itself, it's possible for human beings to learn about and experience God, not just through Scripture, although Scripture is foundational. you got to have that. But through everything that God has created. We just have to have eyes to see. Or again, like reading a book helps us to learn about a particular topic. We can read about God by delving in to God's good creation. Ultimately, putting into perspective, which this is at least my hypothesis, by the way. You all need to know that I don't have it all figured out. You all need to know that you can disagree with me. I don't stand up here on high claiming to have it all figured out. But this is my hypothesis. 
it's really the case that science is not the enemy of faith. It's not something that we need to fear or fight against, at least for the most part. Now, there's some things that we need to fight against. There's no doubt about that. There's some, there's some crazy scientists out there that are trying to say all sorts of things. We need to fight against that. But at the same time, there's also some crazy, crazy whacked out religious people, too, that we need to fight against. Right? It, it's not the science in itself. It's the people who are using the science. It's not the religion in itself. It's, it's the people who use that. So instead of fighting against that, or instead of thinking about that in a general way, we need to embrace this simple yet brilliant method for what it can do to make our lives and the world better. Think um, modern medicine. How many of you guys wouldn't actually be here today if it wasn't for modern medicine? That's a good thing. It's a good thing. But not only do we embrace it for what it can do for us and the world, we embrace it because it has so much to teach us about just how big and magnificent our God really is. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. Let us pray. Father, we come before you and I know for some people this is a difficult series. Um, it's something that maybe they, they've been taught or it's something that's just anti. And so it's my prayer that for all of us, you'll just at least help us to take a moment and maybe begin to see the relationship between science and religion a bit different. And instead of seeing science as this enemy or this thing that's trying to prove that you don't exist, but instead as this simple tool and method that can not only make our lives better, but can actually help us to understand you in even deeper ways. So, Lord, as we start this journey, I pray that everyone in this room will ponder this, will wrestle with this this week, and then come back next week as we get into how all truth is your truth. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.